Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail. Yeah. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. Uh, for the purposes of this particular podcast, you can call me Ruckmeister McCool, if you must. And a uh, quick update, in case anyone has been uh, uh, listening or following us on social media or the Patreon. Uh, we had to take a bit of a step away from the microphone, or at least I did. Uh, because uh, if you had heard the last couple of episodes that we did, uh, we were both feeling a little under the weather, and I pushed myself <laughs> too far... And I had uh, pretty bad laryngitis. Like, voice is basically gone for, like, two days. And then mm. it's just a matter of not wanting to push it so that it goes, like, all the way back to zero yeah, yeah. for a while. And so this uh, is our first attempt to make a podcast since the incident. It's been, like, four or five days since a podcast, um, which is... I think it's been, like, seven at this point. It's almost. been a long time yeah. since um, we recorded a like podcast we, proper. We staggered the ones that we had in the can so that, you know, mm. there would be a few things in the interim... Uh, but uh, yeah, for us, this is our first time being in the same room together in like a week. And, and I recorded a few poems. You did, and if you yeah. check in over uh, on our Patreon page, right about now or shortly afterwards, you should get one and then the other. Mm. Uh, we do a thing whenever we have like these kind of weird delays, uh, and we feel like we're not releasing enough stuff because we never do. Uh, <laughs> we we do something we call either the critically acclaimed poetry corner or uh, public domain theater, uh, in which we just read public domain stuff and well, then and, excuse and, me excuse me great art we, we, i realize it's, that it's but things, we're, things we're trying to like that i realize that but we're, we're also trying not to ruffle any feathers yeah. uh well but, yeah we're, well, i'm yeah not gonna get any legal trouble over this exactly but we we both love uh poetry and uh short stories and literature and so that's a nice fun way for us to uh, sort of uh, pretend that we're old tiny radio actors in the 1930s <laughs> yeah yeah uh so yeah yeah, I, I read. Uh, I read. Uh, I guess we can say on the podcast. I'm I read, sure you can. Yeah. I read uh, Ginsburg's Howl, which I didn't realize was public domain, but I guess so. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and also, um, I sing the Body Electric, the mm. Walt Whitman poem. Very nice. Uh, I'm a big Whitman fan. I like Whitman. Yeah. I like Whitman a lot. Um, so uh, in any case, those are going to be if they're not all, if they're not now, depending on when listening to the podcast, they will shortly be available at the Patreon page for one dollar, and also uh, in order to just sort of give our patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Critically Acclaimed Network. Um, a little something because we couldn't do most of our exclusive shows for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, we took a, a pretty primo episode of our podcast, All Our Yesterdays, where we review every single episode of Star Trek in order. Uh, it's an episode dedicated to one of the best Star Treks ever. It's called Yesterday's Enterprise. And uh, normally that's at the $10 a month tier because that's a weekly show. Uh, we put that at that episode at the $1 tier just so everybody can enjoy that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I uh, hope you did. Thank you very much. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we are back. Uh, we'll see how it goes. If I if I run my uh, throat ragged doing this podcast, we might not yeah. go full throttle for a while. But this is our this is our test case. This is us yeah, seeing I, if we can if we can resume. I have a nice open throat, so I'll if if you start to run ragged, I'll take point. Thank you. Um, but, but this is our our letters podcast. That's right. This is our letters podcast. Uh, you write uh, us an email or uh, a physical letter. Uh, neither of us were able to get to our P.O. box for the last couple of days. So if there's something new in there, we'll get to it next week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you send us an email. You ask us questions. We answer your questions. We respond to your prompts. And we always love hearing from you, whether it's uh, talking about something we discussed in a previous episode or some new topic you've never heard us talk about before. Anything at all, it's all fair game. Uh, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. 
Uh, Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Which, again, yeah. we'll check next week. Yeah, it's, uh, you can write us. <laughs> if you, if you do want to write us an actual <laughs> physical letter, uh, write to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641-565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, yeah, normally we don't like to dilly-dally up at the front, but we thought, uh, given the situation, you deserved a, a bit of an update. So now let's just jump right in. Wendy, what is our first email? Uh, here is a letter from Slug Breath. Nice. Um, I, I will read what whatever you sign your letter off as. It raises the uh, question, yeah. does your breath smell of slugs or do you breathe the way a slug breathes? Um, you breathe slugs the way a Ooh. dragon breathes fire. So it's like a Junji Ito story. Uh, yes. Nice. I, I don't know. Oh, Junji Ito is, a, is a really Ito fantastic... Is. Um, uh, manga artist, and he uh, uh, he mostly slug, writes mostly writes horror. Centric? Oh, yeah, yeah. mostly writes horror, and he does comes up with the most terrifying imagery. <laughs> you may have known, one of uh, his stories has been memed um, of Lade, and uh, it's the guy like, and there's like a hole in a mountain that's like human shaped, uh-huh. and it's a guy saying, "This hole was made for me." No. That story is terrifying. Oh. <laughs> that story, if you read the whole story, that story just freaks me the hell out. So yeah, yeah it's right. really really brilliant. I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge Junji Ito, fan, uh, well, Junji Ito fan. This is not Junji Ito. This is Slug Breath. Uh, I respect Slug, that too. Slug Breath says, "Dear Bibbs and Baroque Meister McCool." Love it. I like that. Uh, a while ago, I went online and purchased around forty films based only on the fact that their cover and or title of the film made me think they would be absolutely awful. Awesome. So that's a fun experiment. I like it. Um, my idea was to send them to a friend of mine as a gift. You know, here's a bunch of bad films for you to endure. To quote Mean Girls, I'm such a good friend. Uh, either way, a few of the films and titles are pretty out there. Sand Sharks, anyone? Ooh. Oh, I, I know Sand Sharks. I don't think I've seen that one, but I've seen the, I've seen it around. Yeah, it's yeah. a monster movie. Yeah. So I decided to watch the films that intrigued me before sending them to my friend. Mm. And after watching a few of them, uh, why did I not, why not watch all of them? So that's what I did. <laughs> Anyhow, one of the films was a 2004 action film called Silver Hawk, starring Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I don't know Silver Hawk. Oh, uh, I think I've seen that one. And while the story isn't exactly Oscar-worthy, Michelle Yeoh at, and her action hero skills are amazing and carries the entire film, and I ended up buying a copy for myself, too. As somebody who regularly lives under a rock, <laughs> I am not that well-versed when it comes to which actors are super famous or not. Growing up, the martial art actors I kept hearing about were Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, and Jet Li, but not once Michelle Yeoh. Oh, weird. Okay. That's unfortunate. Yeah. She's and the got time, great filmography. And the times I heard about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it was the... F- it was about the film and never about the actors in it. In oh. fact, the only reason I knew that she was in the film was because I looked it up on Letterboxd. So my question to you is twofold. Number one, have I just been living, to, living <laughs> under a rock and is she super famous without me realizing it? Uh-huh. Or two, could you recommend some of her action films uh, to watch? As always, thank you for the amazing podcasts you produce. They have really contributed to my interest in uh, film as an art form and given me many great recommendations. With love, Slug Breath. Uh, Slug Breath, thank you so much for writing in. Uh, to answer your question, um, you haven't been living under a rock, but Michelle Yeoh is super famous. Um, uh, people who are celebrities in other countries or cultures, even if they're ridiculously huge celebrities in those cultures, don't always get the international awareness 
well, uh, that you might expect. I think Michelle Yeoh is yeah. maybe more of a breakout star than some others. I feel like the United States, uh, it's it's gotten better in the last like, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years or so, but for a yeah. long time, getting international imports was a headache. Could be, uh, yeah, unless, unless they were, there was a few every year that got like a major release. Mm. Usually they were oscar baity kind of things. Yeah, but, and, and there, there, we had yeah. you know, a steady influx, but it wasn't yeah. as varied as you might think. No, no, and um, yeah, and there was a lot of times, especially where like uh, genre stuff, there'd be like a home video market, but it wasn't like widely uh, advertised. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Jackie Chan is a perfect example of this. He's a... a He's been a big star in uh, Hong Kong f- since the seventies, hmm. but a lot first, of was Drunken Masters breakout, or was that just like it was around there? One? Maybe it might have been Fearless Hyena. I'm trying to remember hmm. exactly, but there was one that was one of his first big movies, and um, uh, but a lot of people in America, unless you really follow kung fu movies, a lot of people in America didn't really know who he was until they started releasing some of his, and not even particularly new movies. In theaters with a new dub in uh, in English, so I think the first one was Rumble in the Bronx, yeah. which is a good movie. It's hardly his best. No, like I, I would, I, I wouldn't even put it in his top ten. It's good. I I love Rumble in the Bronx. It's, it's fun. It's got a lot of great action sequences in it. It's just funny to me that that was the breakout. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, and then they release, and this was the one that I think they, really showed people what he could do. Uh, the Legend of Drunken Master, which is actually Drunken Master Two, mm. but it's one of those sequels that's more name only. It doesn't really follow the original. Um, so you know, the, in the United States, after they released Rumble in the Bronx, they released a film uh, here in, in North America. It was called Super Cop. Oh yeah, but which I, I, think, it, I think that was. Police Story 2? Oh. Which, like, no, it's Police Story 3. Police Story 3. Police Story 3, colon, and, Super Cop. And that would have Michelle Yeoh in it. The Police Story movies, I think, were all made prior to Rumble in the Bronx. So it's, uh, it's all There have been a few since, but yeah. Uh, but they were, they were, they were, uh, those Police Story movies are Yeah, great. but Michelle Yeoh was in Super Cop. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, that, and that was her big introduction to a lot of American yeah. audiences as well, because that got that big uh, Jackie Chan push. But she's had a pretty sizable career here in the United States as well. She's been in a lot of English language movies. Mm-hmm. She was just in Shang-Chi, for goodness sake. Well, she um, was just in Everything Everywhere All yeah, at Once, which is, which is uh, one of the most acclaimed films of this yeah. year. And there's, uh, frankly, it's still getting Oscar buzz. She could be Oscar nominated. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I would say rightly so. Good for her. She's, she's very good. Yeah, she plays like yeah. multiple roles in that one. She was in... Um, uh, um, she was in Memories of a Geisha. That's right, she was in Memoirs. Uh, She was in The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Hmm. Uh, She was in one or two of the Kung Fu Panda movies. Uh, She was in a James Bond movie. Uh, That's right, she was in Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, which is actually one of the better Pierce Brosnan ones. Uh, So she's had, she had one of the more successful crossover careers when she came to America and uh, and they tried to transfer celebrity over here. She was in Babylon AD. Look, a lot of people are in Babylon AD. (laughs) We can't, uh, we can't blame everyone for Babylon 80. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. She, oh, and that's right. She was in the Crouching, Ti- Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sequel. Oh, that yeah. That nobody talked about. It's not very good. No, it's, it's not. It's not very good at all. Uh, she had a cameo in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Crazy Rich Asians, which is a huge Yeah, hit. she's great in that movie, uh, too, yeah. by the way. That's a, that's a sizable uh, supporting role, yeah. So, yeah, she she's she's been around. She's been doing it. She's going to be uh, in the Avatar sequels as well. Oh, is she really? Oh, she plays a Navi. Okay, that's That'll cool. That'll be pretty fun. Good for her. Um, um, but regarding her action movies, if there's... Yeah, she's made like 50 movies, and she is a really yeah. big, big star. If you, and, and she's an incredible martial artist, and if you've never seen some of her older martial arts movies, here's a quick list of, like, just like just to sift through them. Here's some great places to start. Uh, I highly recommend uh, this buddy cop movie she did with Cynthia Rothrock called Yes, Madam. Uh, uh, you, you, 
You yeah. can find like there's a. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of excellent fights in that movie. But yeah. yeah, the 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 climactic fight sequence Great is fight. like really really long. It's it's yeah. like a ballet. It's really really gorgeous. Yeah, that that movie is really really fun. Uh, Super Cop is fun, but it's a bit more of a Jackie Chan movie than it is a Michelle Yeoh movie. Uh, the heroic trio is a really fantastic uh, Hong Kong. Um, superhero team movie uh, it's directed by Johnny Toe it stars uh, Michelle Yeoh Anita Mui and Maggie Chung hmm. uh, and uh, it's a hoot like it's tons of cool stuff in that movie you should totally check that one out uh, she was in a really great movie I, I really am fond of uh, with Donnie Yen called Wing Chung uh, Wing, sorry, Wing Chun. I want to make sure I pronounce that. My throat's meh. Mm. Uh, but uh, great martial arts in that. A really interesting love story. A bit more of a comedy uh, in some regards. But yeah, if you've never seen Crouch Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, that movie is mostly amazing. Mm. Um, there's a lot of really wonderful things in it. The thing that drags that movie down for me is the uh, not particularly good song they play over the credits, The Love Before Time. <laughs> Like it's it, just uh, just like it goes off on the sourest yeah. note, literally. It's like, uh, oh, really? That's that's what we went for. The love of oof. My my experience of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was uh, similar to that of many American audiences in that um, that was my introduction to yeah. wuxia. Yeah, a lot of people and, uh, yeah. yeah, I. I I, I wasn't even aware of the genre, you know. It just I wasn't that cultured. Yeah, and uh, it, was like, it was culture that was honestly kung fu movies mm. were kind of looked down on, and a lot of like well, uh, they were grindhouse uh, movies. They were considered yeah. grindhouse movies. A lot of them were badly dubbed, mm. or they were uh, you know pan and scan cropped, and well, a lot, well, they weren't taken seriously by a lot of people, even well, in the film the, critic uh, community. So yeah. even the really good ones were often you know kind of sneered at, which is well, unfortunate. And, and, and I can speak to this. This is something I encountered working at the New Beverly. Uh, yeah. Is that we would get prints of you know kung fu movies yeah. and uh they were each released with eight different titles a lot of them yeah. and in many cases they were constructed of like multiple films a lot mm. of american studios would get multiple kung fu movies but for some reason one part wasn't usable or mm. just to re-release the same footage a second time oh, yeah. they would take two or three movies and edit them together into a new movie yeah. and release that under a new title that was pretty common with like the ninja uh, subgenre in the 1980s yeah, we get a lot of that Corman did that a lot too yeah. with i think some peplum movies uh, yeah. and there was some, listen, and i'm not going to lie listen there's there's some really wonderful beautiful uh, incredible Kung Fu epics. Then I'll start Michelle Yeoh, obviously. But like, uh, you can watch some like Touch of Zen, which I think has a Criterion now, and it's lovely. Yeah. And you should. It's so gorgeous. King Fu King yeah. is the director. These movies are really like in their original form. Like they're spectacularly presented. A lot of them were filmed in widescreen Technicolor. They're just really gorgeous. Uh, however, there, there there was also crap. Like I was a there's a there's a service. On Roku, there's a channel you can pick up on Roku yeah. that I'm very fond of. I just discovered it called Raygun, R A Y G U N, uh, and they it's a it's a it's a schlock service. They have a whole bunch of like really cheesy, oh, grindhousey yeah. like, uh, and what they when you can search through the whole library if you want, or you can hit uh, uh, like the the roulette. Oh, like just pick and something for they'll me. just pick something random for oh, you, and it's fun. and it's free with with commercials, and it's weird because the commercials 
are for ray gun it's not like you're <laughs> it's basically like if you pay us to subscribe we'll stop yelling at you every five minutes oh that's great but it you, but it's like it's not like all of a sudden here's a fucking campaign ad for rick caruso or some bullshit <laughs> so uh that's an la thing if you don't know he was running for mayor has, has that race been decided it's, it's they're still counting oh god we're so yeah, close he's, we're a couple, he got way too we're, many we're votes. recording this like a, a couple days yeah. after uh, election day yeah so. yeah so we're still waiting on some of the final yeah. results but we got a little sound effect here there we go. Okay. Thank you. Ooh, very nice. Uh, but uh, but the, one of the times we did it, we, we picked up a film called um, uh, The Image of Bruce Lee. And uh, this is something a lot of people don't remember and they're not very proud of. Oh, the uh, the Lee exploitation yeah, subgenre? Bruce Lee was, you know, becoming a gigantic movie star in America. Uh, thanks to the release of Enter the Dragon in particular, and then his other films were also, uh, you know, Fist of Fury, uh, uh, Return of the Dragon, and they, they were they were huge. Mm. But he died. He died way too young, and he was this huge international action star. And one of the ways that film studios were trying to exploit his popularity was they would make kind of Bruce Lee movies. Some of them, and this is the star of the image of Bruce Lee, starred an actor named Bruce Lai. L- Bruce Lee. It was pronounced Bruce Lee, but it was spelled L-I. Oh, I've heard it pronounced that. I've heard it pronounced uh, Bruce Lai. But, uh, well, one of us is right. There, there was also uh, an actor named Chick Norris. Oh, God. And, and Chick Norris and Bruce Lai were okay. in movies together. I know, Here's why I call it Bruce Lai is because uh, that's... Um, Quentin Tarantino doesn't do a lot of commentary tracks, but he did one for True Romance, and he talked about... Uh, the Bruce Lee exploitation oh. uh, uh, genre, and he referred to Bruce L Y L I, sorry, as Bruce Lie. So maybe right. he was right, maybe he was wrong. But in any case, yeah, you just put a guy in a yellow tracksuit hmm. and called him Bruce. Yeah, style his hair right, <laughs> like it's, it's like something. A, it's like it, that's so. Are you really you're trying to trick really us? That's clearly not Bruce. That would Lee. be like if there was like some kind of weird weepy teen drama in like 1960s starring like James Dang. <laughs> like what like jesus christ it's so callous but um i i, I honestly thought that was like <clears throat> a, sort of an, an eye-grabbing uh ploy yeah by the filmmaker steve mcqueen he just happens to share a name with like a famous movie star from the <laughs> 60s it was like oh yeah that's like he was like some sort of artistic decision to name himself after steve no his, his name is steve mcqueen uh, did you ever see them actually i never saw did you ever see the movie i think justin lynn did it uh that was about uh, Lee exploitation films. Oh, is that finishing the game? Uh, finishing the game. Yeah. yeah okay. It was about. Uh, oh, it was about. It was about uh, the fo- making of Game of Death, which mm. Bruce Lee had filmed part of. Yeah, it was about before the, he died. The and actors who are auditioning to be uh, Bruce Lee's double for yeah. to, for all the Bruce Lee scenes. That that movie is almost unwatchable, except for the Bruce Lee parts. <laughs> like it's really really rough. But anyway, we're we're getting up into the weeds. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Hopefully, those are some uh, examples here. She's. A really incredible performer on top of being a really credible martial artist. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you, you, I'm excited for you. You get to explore the filmography of Michelle Yeoh for the first time. You're very lucky. Yeah. So De- get out De- there and enjoy. Definitely Yes, Madam. Though. Yes, fun. Madam rules. Wing Chun is really, really great. And, uh, yeah, I think you're going to love Heroic Trio. Mm. If you liked Silverhawk, which I haven't seen, but I saw the trailer and I got the vibe, uh. see Heroic Trio. I think you're really going to dig it. And, and Tomorrow Never Dies is it's fun. It's, it's a good James Bond movie. It's a good James Bond movie. It n- doesn't give Michelle Yeoh that much to do. No, but, but she's, she, she, it has a notable yeah. role in it. It's sure, more than sure. one scene. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next letter. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a letter from E, just the letter E. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Mr. McCool, there's umlauts over the O's. 
Uh, I am a longtime listener, and I've written to you guys a few times over the years. I started listening to your podcast somewhere in the beginning of medical school, which Ooh. means you have been with me through most of my studies. Wow. Hey. Thank you. What an oh, honor. I'm glad, yeah. Uh, during breaks, when I needed to relax or de-stress or simply focus on something other than the enormous amount of anxiety associated with schoolwork, I put on your podcast and disappear into film and television all the way up to this summer when I finally graduated medical school and started working. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yay. I had to write you and thank you for all the work you've done and, and put into your podcast. You're both very sensitive and kind and give nuanced and interesting views on media, not to mention you're incredibly prolific. Mm. I'd listen to you all the time during study breaks, and I've still got a huge backlog of episodes. <laughs> How do you do it? How do we do it? Uh, well, listen to William's voice. He writes yes, all we, a little rag. Yeah, and, um, we do, yeah. Uh, the more I studied and the more I now work as a doctor, the more I see how absolutely wrong media gets hospitals and medicine in general. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mom was a nurse, so I know. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought I'd share some things that I've noticed over the years that anno- annoy me the most about media portrayals. Slight pr- uh, disclaimer, I work in Sweden, okay. so I know that uh, some differences might be different because of the systems in the U.S. Fair enough, but I love this, and this is mm. this is the stuff I live for, by yeah, the way. Man. I love this stuff. Okay. My, uh, my mom was a nurse. She would always point out. The thing that bugged my mom, before we get to your list, uh, E, mm. uh, my mom's uh, biggest pet peeve, and she always pointed it out, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> Was um, in medical shows, they'll show the doctors like in the emergency room with their rubber gloves on and they're like dipping their hands into people. It's really dramatic. Yeah. And then they'll walk out of the room just wearing the bloody rubber gloves. And they sort of whip them out. And, like, and they kind of like snap them off and put them in their pocket. It's like just spray blood everywhere. <laughs> my, uh, my mom hated that. It's yeah, like, there's, there's procedure to this. It's stuff. like human waste. You gotta like, yeah, that yeah. can be infectious. There's all kinds of, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, number one, lack of hygiene. Yeah. Uh, everyone's wearing their hospital scrubs at home, which I understand is a storytelling shortcut to establish a character as working in a hospital. Yeah. But that's not sanitary. <laughs> no. And everyone's wearing watches and rings and nail polish and has their long hair flowing out. Hygiene is super strict here. Hygiene is super strict here. Mm. You get scrubs from the closet where you work. You're not allowed to wear anything below the elbow. And at the end of the day, you leave the scrubs to be washed by the hospital, probably at hell degrees to kill the temp- the bacteria. <laughs> the amount of infectious diseases that must be spread on these movies and these movie hospitals. Uh, number two, the this is an experimental medical treatment, and there are so many rules on how and when we can use it. But fuck the rules, we're gonna try it anyway. <laughs> The rules are there for a reason. Yeah. Seriously, it's experimental because it hasn't been proven to work. And you have to follow protocol to keep patients safe. And if this treatment actually was useful, you need to record it so you can prove it and treat other people. As a Swede, this especially irks me because of some of our country's recent history. Uh, I don't know. Uh, about that. that's, that's a trope I always hear, but it's always like alien DNA or something fantastical oh, that they're trying like, to watch. This, we don't know what this is going to do, but it, it cured that alien over there. So they inject like yeah. this bright green glowing fluid, like right into somebody's neck. I used to watch the TV series house MD. Oh yeah. That's a fun show. Uh, it was not, not realistic, but no, fun. not realistic at all. Uh, but yeah, it started Hugh Laurie as a curmudgeonly doctor who solved the medical mysteries. People would come in and it's like, like, Oh, what, what, what's wrong with him? Well, he's, uh, it, it's always like, Something you would understand, like oh, he's got uh, he's got a rash of some. He's kind, got a mysterious yeah. rash. Yeah, okay, fine, but it's in his brain. And I was like, oh, how did you get a rash there? Like, what? What's abrading that? Like, it's <laughs> my, always like my girlfriend got poison yeah. ivy on the brain. Yeah, it's, it's a scratch. It like, she thinks about sandpaper. Yes, yes. It's like you, you, you. <laughs> it's a Stephen Wright line. Yeah, you, you somehow pulled a muscle in your eye. Oh, I'm like no, it's I, I'm and, doing it badly. And, and he'd have like this younger team would always <laughs> brainstorm 
with him, and they would like go to their house and investigate. Maybe there's some external mm-hmm. thing causing this medical problem. And they would like they, break they, into their house to you know, do this. And like they they staged it like a cop show, but yeah. it was a medical show. But yeah, almost every single time in house, it would be like uh, this person's got these uh, weird uh, illnesses, and like okay, well we've run through all the things it could be, and we think it's gonna be I don't know typhus, mm-hmm. and so we'll just treat them for typhus, and, and the, if it and works, then it, it works, the, yeah. Yeah, and of course that makes it worse because the treatment for typhus is exactly what exacerbates what they actually have and so eventually we have, it, it's so fucking there's a great bit though there's always a house moment in every episode where someone says something unrelated to the plot or like had to do with the subplot and house is just like of course gout like oh okay no it was always lupus no it's never lupus well that that's that was well, I, mean, I mean the that was the one they always brought up. Well, it could be lupus. No, it's not lupus. And there was one episode where yeah. it actually was. Yeah. And it was like a throw-off gag at the end of the episode. What, yeah. what was happening with that B story that you were working on? Oh, it's uh, lupus. Like, yeah, but it's like every other credits, episode, it's yeah. like the joke was it's never lupus. I don't know. I don't know why it's never lupus. I know people who've had lupus. It's a serious condition. But anyway... Uh, anyway, but anyway, there's, there's, there's more, there's more bullet points I'm here. sure there are. Uh, another bullet point. Doctors do everything, apparently. Mm. They uh, they be doing the jobs of five different specialties and perform surgeries way outside of their fields, which takes years to learn and perfect, mm-hmm. as well as doing the work of nurses, physical therapists, psychologists. Yes, there's a difference between being a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Yep. There's a reason people have different jobs with different tasks, because no one can do everything. Yeah. Dr. Flox can. Okay, well, Dr. Flox is, is a special case. That's true. He's, he's a, yeah. a denopulant. He's not but even human. A lot of the things that we're talking about here are things that are just um, mm-hmm. practical considerations. Like, we could, I remember there was an episode of Battlestar Galactica where uh, they had to, like, okay, so someone took over. There was an insurrection on board the ship, and we need to, like, bring in, like, a sniper in order to, like, take down the guy who's, like, leading this insurrection. And it's like, okay, so who's the best shot? Uh, It happens to be the best fighter pilot who's a regular character. And I'm like, no, it would not be. The (laughs) fighter pilot, That's a different job. They would probably have someone else doing that, but they don't want to pay to cast a new actor, so I guess it's Katie Sackhoff this week. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying, though, especially if you have any consideration for accuracy. Uh, Anyway, and, uh, and of course, the best one, quote... I am a medical student and are interested in medicine, and therefore I am capable of doing medicine. I don't know what they teach at medical schools in America, but holy shit, I can't imagine being left responsible for human lives as a student. I can barely put in stitches today without supervision. There's a reason people say doctors never stop studying, and it's because there's always something new to learn. It takes year after years after school to become good at medicine okay i'll end my rant here thank you so much for your many podcasts i look forward to continuing to listen to you guys while i now take breaks from working as a doctor which i am now honestly <laughs> i have to start believing it uh, sincerely e dr e dr e uh seriously dr e congratulations yeah that's it's really great. hard to do and we need more good doctors mm-hmm. in the world i've had some bad doctors in my time but i've also had wonderful doctors mm-hmm. so uh, I'm glad that you're out there. I'm glad that you're uh, uh, pursuing something so important, uh, and I'm sure you're going to do a lot of good. So uh, that just means a lot to us that we were able to help in a small way. Here, uh, here, here, I, haven't, I haven't seen a doctor in a while. Really? Yeah. Okay. I haven't had a checkup since I was 12, so well, it's, the, it's been a my, while. I had my skin cancer scare earlier this year. Oh, well, that so, like, I, had to, I, had to I've been, I guess I've been to the there. quick care. I've gotten like some treatment, yeah. but yeah, I haven't, haven't like 
had a physical or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I'm in my mid forties, which means I'm like you probably should rotting from the inside. You should probably get a checkup. Like you, you should you probably ever, get some blood work done at least, just to see like if you need like you know your cholesterol lowered or something. Yeah. Okay, all right. so it's up to you. <laughs> I, hey, who am I to give advice? I'm not the healthiest person. All right, as you can hear from my voice. <laughs> Uh, here's a letter from MJ. Hello, MJ. Hi, MJ. Um, a lot of letters this week on the letters. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that, that, that is sort of the, the, the function of this show here. Uh, you know what I mean? The letter name. MJ says... Uh, <laughs> sorry, that was... The stupidity of that just hit me. Uh, <laughs> all right. The letter reads, uh, Hello, Bibbs and Loch Ness Monster McGool. Oh, Ooh, Loch you Ness win. Monster McGool. You win. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to share a story and send some thanks your way. My son was born in 1996. Mm-hmm. At age wow. five, he was diagnosed with Asperger's. Okay. Uh, he has always been high-functioning, but very closed off in social situations. In his early 20s, he came to me with some news that he had discovered years earlier, but finally had the nerve to share with me. When he said he needed to tell me something, my mind went straight to some horrible health condition. Mm-hmm. But to my relief, it's nothing like that. He says he has gender dysphoria and oh. identifies as female. She identifies as female. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would have floored me earlier in my life growing up in a conservative southern atmosphere now gave way to confusion and relief. I have never heard of gender dysphoria. So I asked for more information, and she gave me all the information she has gathered throughout the years. All she asked of me was to understand and begin to call her, begin calling her her. I was very ignorant to different lifestyles and still am to many others, but luckily I was raised to have an open mind and accept everyone for who they are and not what they are. Mm -hmm. I am not perfect, but I continue to try to improve myself as a human being. I'm not looking for a pat on the back because I I did nothing to deserve it. I accepted my child for who she is and in so doing has helped me to accept others regardless of how different they may seem to be. I'm sure it helps that I've always enjoyed being the outcast and wanting to like other non-mainstream things just because everyone else does. I find obscure things that I relate to or just because it feels so much more personal. Now to the main reason of the letter. Mm. Just listening to you two and the conversations you have, especially with queerness is involved, without the conversation being directly about the subject, has expanded my knowledge and understanding immensely. Mm. I enjoy hearing y'all comment and the attractiveness and or sexiness of a male actor as much as female actors. Uh... Somebody wrote in and said, uh, I got embarrassingly horny when we were watching uh, West Side Story. Oh, yeah. Because the Jets are so fucking hot. And uh, (laughs) somebody wrote in, it's like, yeah, I want to listen. Do that more. It's like, slowly roll. Uh, On an upcoming Uh, episode, on our very next episode of All Our Yesterdays, which we're getting ready to record mm -hmm. soon, uh, we're going to be talking about young Montgomery Clift. And oh, my God. Oh my god. Montgomery Cliff circa 1949. Ah, Biting my knuckles. Although I can't relate to it, I still enjoy the subject without feeling awkward. I've even found myself finding the attractiveness in men more than ever. Before uh, before without it ever having any sexual proclivities. We're just people and there's beauty within all of us. Mm. We just need to give others comfort and a platform to show us their beauty regardless of anything else about them. Queerness is beauty. Yours truly, MJ. Well, it's very sweet, MJ. MJ. Wonderful. That's a wonderful email. Congratulations mm-hmm. uh, uh, to your daughter. That's really, really great. Yeah. Um, you know, the, a lot of people have a lot of catching up to do uh, with yeah, the, you know I, they're, they're, a lot of conversations about uh, queerness, gender queerness in particular, mm-hmm. trans identity, non-binary. Uh, these were not conversations that were everyone had access to for a yeah, long time. Even and, as, yeah. as, as yeah. recently as like six, seven years ago, yeah. the, it wasn't really part of, of, um, 
I, I, for lack of a better term, sort of mainstream conversation. It was it was not casually brought up. It yeah, was yeah. it was often a, a big deal. We're 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 getting to a better place, and unfortunately, there's a lot of backlash to that, and a lot of people are uh, trying to uh, use some really demonic propaganda. Oh. I, I highly recommend if you want to learn like a lot more about this. There's a really really great, uh, especially if you're listening to our stuff and you like film criticism. Mm. Um, you should check out Jesse Gender on YouTube. Mm. Uh, really really fantastic. They, they talk a lot about Star Trek, uh, <laughs> but um, th- uh, there's also a really great video uh, on, on their channel um, uh, that's all about the the propaganda film Matt Walsh made uh, about like called "What Is a Woman?" and it's oh, the, it's the, just the, the, it's, it's a, like that bullshit Fox News. It's a something. Re- it's, or, a, it's, yeah. it's not specifically Fox, but it's a really repugnant piece of yeah, uh, attempted yeah. cinema, and uh, they they did this incredibly epic detailed. Uh, uh, piece about it, and even if you don't watch the original film, which I don't recommend you do, uh, because they do not need the money, uh, you should watch their uh, Jesse Gender's pieces on it because you can just you can learn a lot. Yeah, and um, in terms of like how the conversation gets turned around on people and what we can do to mm-hmm. uh, make things better, but yeah, we it's important that this gets more normalized these yeah, conversations well, well, so that people um, you know don't. Have positive experiences with yeah. it on both uh, sides. I'm glad this worked out for everyone. That's really lovely. Queerness in America has, you know, I don't need to say it has a, a very dodgy history. Uh, it's putting of, it very much. Yeah, uh, to, it's a to, dodgy present in some to, respects. Could, could you know? I, if, if I could, you know, nominate that for the understatement of the century? Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, it, it took so many goddamn years mm-hmm. just to, for queerness to be recognized. Yeah. To, to, first of all, just to be acknowledged that it existed. Yeah. Then to be recognized. Then to and the, and assure to be, and, that. Then not to be demonized. Yeah. And, like it only uh, it only know, just got taken off of like, um, you know, the psychologist's handbook of like disorder. Yeah. Like, embarrassingly like, recently. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, and again, embarrassingly recently, uh, people could finally marry whatever gender they wanted it was illegal yeah, that, before that that was shit I remember um, that day I happened to be I, in San Francisco that day it was a real party yeah I, it was I, really great uh, I, 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 I was actually really relieved um, I, have, I have a seven year old he's pretty young and yeah. um, and my son saw two men holding hands walking mm-hmm. down the street and asked oh, are they married mm-hmm. and and I said yeah maybe they could be and I actually had to say you know until recently it was against the law boys couldn't marry boys and girls couldn't marry girls and he just said that's silly <laughs> it is so, very so silly. good good for him I'm proud of that but yeah uh, the more... when it comes to yeah. um, uh, when it comes to uh, trans recognition yeah uh, first of all Way worse off in a lot of ways than I mean, just mainstream queerness. Uh, people are people queer, are being queer, very weird. Queer about couples, it, yeah. yeah. Queer couples were uh, came to a point where they were like welcomed in, I guess. Uh, by by some. By some, yeah. And uh, when uh, trans language started entering, sort of like the mainstream gestalt, for, mm-hmm. again, for lack of a better term, uh, the the tone was catch up. You, you, you got to catch up to us. Yeah. We're, we're not going to wait around and yeah. explain this to you time and time again. We're not going to wait decades we're, we're, for this. Yeah, we're, to, not yeah. Gonna, we're not going to sort of let, let this sort of stay and wait for a, it's yeah. just, No, you need to be here with us right now. Yeah. And 
and you know get get your language in gear learn about this yeah this is the age of the internet you don't need to mm-hmm. sort of wait around for this to sort of leak out in the into the consciousness and it's really, and i appreciate that yeah and again like, you know what yes yeah just catch up it's it, our job it's not that hard to, that it's not that hard to do it's and i appreciate some people are like further back because of the, the mm-hmm. you know who they've known and what rhetoric they've been exposed to over the years but it's it's really quite simple mm-hmm. and um yeah, there's a lot of pushback from assholes and bigots, and uh, we we don't really need any of that. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah. But anyway, thank you so much for emailing us. That's uh, thank you for sharing that story. That makes me feel so happy. Yeah, yeah. that really is awesome. And and yeah, yeah any little bit we can do, we just mm-hmm. want to you know be we're, positive we're, and normalize this stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're very sex positive in general. I'd like to think. Yeah. I, I I like. I, I saw a movie just recently called uh, "Good Luck to You, Leo Grand." Oh yeah, uh, no, not not a not a queer movie, but it's in one of the more sex positive movies I've seen. It's great. It's about uh, Emma Thompson plays a, a Catholic school teacher in her sixties uh-huh. who uh, has only ever had sex with her husband, and her husband's been dead for a couple of years. And she's finally reached the point where it's like, I I just want to finally do something sexual with my life. I'm in my yeah. 60s, and she's just, just now, this is occurring to her. Yeah. And she hires a sex worker, and all, every scene takes place in the same hotel room. Right. Um, Sounds nice. And it's very sex positive. It's very sex worker positive. Great. Uh, just everything about it is about discovering your body and pleasure. And I, I think that's... That's wonderful. We need more of that. The message we need to put out yeah. into the world. Like, why is everybody so weird about sex? I, I mean, it's personal. Yeah. But we can be open about it's, it. I don't understand it. Though. But anyway, thank you again for the yeah. email and lovely congratulations to you both. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's a letter from Sammy, and it's about sight and sound. Ooh, hi, Sammy. We've been waiting. We've been waiting with bated oh, breath on the sight and sound. It's coming out in December. We got another uh, month to wait. When in then. December, though? End of December. <laughs> That's what they're gonna Christmas Day. It'll be a present for you um, if, if you celebrate Christmas. Is that true? I don't know. I okay, I don't know. You sounded so here. confident. All right. uh, yeah, but here's a letter from Sammy. Uh, Sammy writes, a huge fan of yours, especially uh, of Only the Best. That's oh, our you. Oscars podcast. Yeah, and again, new episode coming very soon. Yeah. We're going to try to record it tomorrow. Uh, thanks Except for my voice doesn't yeah. go. Thanks for all your hard work. Due to the fact that a new sight and sound list is meant to be released later this month, I thought it would be a fun experiment to share what my post would be. Uh, I, I always want to hear these. These are great. Yeah. Um, and maybe hear how your lists would change since you presented them three and a half years ago. And uh, what are your predictions for the list? I think two thousand. I think two thousand one will be the number one movie this year. Interesting. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. I think it it's was in the top ten. Oh, it's a contender. It's definitely mm. one. I it's think, one of my favorites. I think it's one of the older movies that even like if even if there's a big influx of younger critics, uh-huh. I think it's still going to rank really high. Mm. I'm a little worried about the influx of younger critics might diminish classic cinema right. a bit but we'll see how well, it goes we'll uh, how it but goes. Sammy wrote down uh, when we last did this just sort of as an intellectual exercise uh-huh. oh, uh, okay. Sammy wrote down what we picked oh wow okay um, that's awesome because uh, in 2012 we did a list yes uh, we did ju- just for fun and then I think two, like two and a half years on like halfway yeah. through it's like let's update that a little bit yeah and uh, and for the record uh, we're not going to reveal what our list would be we will do a full bonus episode mm. of the show talking about the new sight and sound poll when it comes out and we will also discuss what we would have put on our lists right, in some yeah. detail so uh but this is what you picked last time okay William. um number 10 the rocky horror picture show i still stand by that that's uh, definitely that's definitely got a chance to make my list uh, number nine the texas chainsaw massacre also got a chance uh, number eight the bridge on the river Kwai. probably not probably right. i think i think it's probably been, been uh, uh, number seven rear window probably uh, got a chance. number six mad max fury road maybe all right number five it's a wonderful life 
Mm, probably. Yeah. All right. Number four, My Neighbor Totoro. Almost definitely. Uh, yeah, number three, Do it. the Right Thing. Very uh, Number two, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And number one, Citizen Kane. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that was that's, your list. Yeah. That's, there's at least two of those, maybe even three, that I think are guaranteed right. to be on there. But the rest of the list could be very different. Right. Uh, and my list was uh, number 10, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill. Nice. Uh, number nine, Gimme Shelter. Mm, uh, num- about that. Number eight, The Exorcist. Mm. Number seven, Holy Motors. Oh, yeah. That was very, cool very choice. fond of Holy Motors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number six, The Tree of Life. Number five, Ohazard Balthazar. Oh. Uh, number four, The Battle of Algiers. Oh, uh, yeah. And I hadn't seen that when you did that one. I finally mm. did. It's so damn good. It's really damn good. It's so damn good. Uh, number three, Pother Panchali, uh, the Satyajit Ray film. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, Cries and Whispers. Mm-hmm. And number one, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, fair that, fair that, play that, to that was That was my list. Um, now to my list, says our, okay. our listener. Uh, before I started, I gave myself a few criteria. Up to one movie per director. Uh, fair. Yeah, yeah you don't over, overload it. Overrepresent. Yeah. Uh, at least five non-English language movies. Okay. At least one movie from the past ten years. Okay. And at least one movie that only I would put on the list. I listed below my picks and the reason I put them on the list. So, here, so. here's the top ten. Uh, they're listed one to ten, but I'm going to count backward just because. Uh, uh, you know what? The, no, I'm, just I'm, list it the way they list it the way this. So, so number one, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. I don't remember where I heard the review, but the movie begins with the title card reading The Dawn of Man and never gives another one. Uh, <laughs> the movie in all its glory, cinematography, and score boils down to one small thing. What is man? Uh, number two, Man with a Movie Camera. Ooh. A bold choice. Uh, That's an interesting choice. And th- that was on uh, Sight and Sound's list as well. It's often on uh, The cinematography is so alive, the movie tells the tale of a city, and its main character is the camera. It feels more modern than many movies that came out today, even though it's almost 100 years old. Yeah, that, if you've never seen Man with a Movie Camera, it's um, basically one long montage. It's basically, imagine, like, Koyana Scotsy on speed. Like, it's basically, here's the hustle and bustle well, of working, of working, you is life out of balance, so it's like, balances the city with nature, there's like, kind of a Okay, parts it. of Koyana uh, yeah. on speed. Man with a movie camera is like, a celebration of, of a Russian town, a yeah. Russian city. Yeah, but it's basically, it's, it's, it's a little formless, it has no narrative, it's just basically like, mm. trying to capture the bustle of a city. It's really um, exciting, it's like, that's not dull, I think it's fun to I, watch. I, I appreciate it, I wouldn't put it on a thing, yeah. I think, I, I get the experiment yeah. though, I like it. Uh, number three, Persona. <laughs> Great movie. Chef's kiss. Great um, movie. Both characters at the same time are both silent and do- both don't stop talking. The way both women meld is one uh, into one image is one that will never leave my mind. When I finished the movie, I was wasn't able to speak for an hour. Wow. That's a good sign. Yeah. Uh, number four, the four hundred blows. Uh, for the past three years, I've been researching the gap between childhood and adulthood, between innocence and the loss of it, and The 400 Blows encompasses everything about childhood, mm. from the whole movie being about Antoine's perspective, to the carousel scene, which encompasses both youth and what the movie is, what movie making is, to the harsh reality of needing to grow up when faced with hardship. Um, which uh, which mm. Ozu film was it about uh, the kids who wanted the TV? Good Morning. It's just called Good Morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that one. I know that Yeah, one. there's... Uh, Yasujiro Ozu made a film about two kids who uh, went on strike so they could get a television. Oh, yeah. Very sweet. And uh, and that's... Uh, you know, Ozu liked to keep his camera very low, so that's like kind of a very child perspective kind of a movie. All right, what's next? Uh, number five is the Before Trilogy. The, oh, The Richard okay. Linklater movies. Yeah, great movies. Um, I don't know if, uh, if the way they talk is real, but I wish, I wish that me and my lover would talk the way Jesse and Celine talk. Hmm. Uh they they talk in a very link later kind of a way. Where it's, it's stylized. It's stylized. I, I feel like 
and this is just old man me, I feel like people talked like that in the 90s more. There's like a, a little bit more of this like freewheeling coffee house yeah. philosophy. The, the before trilogy, before uh, before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight mm. are about uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delby play characters who uh, they, meet they, up over the course a, of one a, night. Meet his students on yeah. a train. Uh, Reunite years later. Uh, and then, at a book signing. He's... Uh, yeah. He's written. A, he's written a book a about book their about their, their, yeah. their that first movie. And then there's another one years later when they're a couple and um, and their marriage isn't going so great. Yeah, and they're just basically all these really long conversations. And um, I had a screenwriting professor in college uh, who had a thing about dialogue. He's like, everyone always wants naturalistic dialogue. I don't have to go to a movie theater for that. Mm. Make it clever. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very very much like let's just, let's make sure they all say really smart things and reference books a lot. Uh, anyway, uh, they feel so real and relatable, uh, yeah. and there are a couple of moments that feel like they transcend time. Mm. The listening booth in Sunrise, Celine yeah. playing the song at sunset, the yeah. fight in Midnight, the whole cycle of love in three movies across 18 years. Unfortunately, they didn't release another part this year. Yeah, that's a bummer. Was, this was the time for it. They, they said it might be over. Uh, I think we, they kind of ran their course. I think but, the you know, trilogy we'll is fine. I mean, like yeah. it'd be kind of cool if they kept going, but yeah. if they don't feel like they have a story to tell, don't. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, here's a good choice. Number six, Sorry to Bother You. Uh, yeah, I, that's a cool I choice. I love Sorry to Bother that's You cool so choice. much. Yeah. Very messy, but full with many original ideas, full of such amazing energy, and the commentary about how we change ourselves to be part of society is incredible. A really original, good new voice. Uh, number seven, The Exterminating Angel. Ooh. I really love magical realism movies where we don't question the mythical elements that are in the movie. When the bourgeoisie can't leave and the regular people can't enter, it's amazing. Uh... Exterminating Angel is a Louis Bunuel film about mm. a bunch of rich assholes who go to a big mansion for a big dinner. Mm. They eat the dinner. They all are like kind of bitter and shallow people. <laughs> and then for some reason, they find themselves unable to leave. Like they just can't walk out of the room. They can't bring themselves to do it. And uh, they just stay there. And the dinner continues. They mm -hmm. run out of food. Uh, where do they use the bathroom? They just, you know, they sort of devolve into just complete animals uh luckily some sheep wander through the room at some point so they just killed and eat the sheep <laughs> uh, uh seeing what uh, hides behind manners when all the bourgeoisie are stuck on an island together is a real life lord of the flies uh, number eight, The Policeman. This is not a film I know. Which one is um, In my opinion, it's the best Israeli comedy oh. from Israel. Uh, best uh, Israel's best-known wave, Burikas films. Bu Burikas. I don't know this, uh, this subgenre. Uh, incredible dialogue and commentary on Israeli <coughs> society. Yeah, I don't know uh, The Policeman. It's, like it's a 2011 film. Yeah, this, this hmm. flew under my radar. I'll have to check this yeah. out. Thank you. Uh, number nine, Wings of Desire. Oh, yeah. Great movie. Uh, Peter Falk talking to an, a, an angel he can't see will be forever etched in my memory, as mm -hmm. well as Nick Cave in Berlin. An angel turning to be human and learning what it's all about is great, amazing black and white and color photography, and one of the most original ideas I've ever seen. It's it's a film that, like, I feel like there's a Frank Capra version of that that's very, probably well, very good, but very twee. Well, they, they but, remade it in America. Yeah, it wasn't Frank Capra-esque, though. It was very, no, it was, it was very it was melodramatic. Kind of, kind of maudlin. But it yeah. was called City of Angels starring Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan but yeah it's about an angel who falls in love with with a person yeah. who's alive and uh, they, they're debating whether or not to give up their angelic existence in order mm -hmm. to be human uh, and well, who, uh, who was the, the angel in the American remake it was like Nicolas Cage no I mean the, the oh, human the, angel that he oh but Dennis France 
That's right, it's Dennis Franz. Hey, pretty good casting. Like yeah. who's the who's like the other Peter Falk? <laughs> Dennis Franz is well, pretty also good. Also known for playing a detective yeah, on yeah, TV. Yeah. Uh there's really the, good actor. The bit where um Peter Falk is drinking coffee and the uh the he can't see the angel, but he knows the angel's there. Yeah. And he just says, When you do this, it feels really good. <laughs> like that bit. Yeah, Wings of Desire, it's like mm. it's a film that sounds when you see pictures of it and you hear people talk about it, it looks like it's gonna be like super pretentious. Mm. It's actually just really inventive really and grounded, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really good. It's mm. it's a great introduction to art house cinema if you haven't watched a lot of it. Like it's it's a little languid, you know, it's not it doesn't move very fast, but it's so distinct and odd and creative, yeah. I think you'll really get into it. And uh, and finally number ten, the red balloon. Oh, uh, that's a great pick. Yeah. <laughs> a true telling of innocence Aww. of a young boy and his pet balloon. The balloon Aww. is so alive and full of character and is incredible in the final scene where the balloon is popped and he flies off with the rest of the balloons and it will always make me cry. That's a great, great but, pick. I, shit, I, I, that's a really good I, idea. I tried showing my son the red balloon and he uh, just wasn't into it. So it's a little young. young. It's, still, it's still a little... Um... It's uh, uh well, a little kid would really like you could have shown the red bull into a three. I realize that, but like the media, I feel like it's uh, the, our media diet is a little different now, and that might be like way to live a little bit more patience. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, but the red balloon is lovely for any age. I, it just depends on whether or not your child's into uh, that sort and, of storytelling. Uh, and Sammy says there's also some runners up here. Mm. I couldn't help myself because I had so many movies to pick from, so I jotted down a couple honorable mentions. Citizen Kane. Yep. Naked. Michael Lee's Naked. Okay, I've never seen Naked. Uh, the Grand Illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phantom Thread. Okay, no bold choice, bold um, choice. La Dolce Vita. Mm. Uh, the Young Girls of Rochefort. I haven't seen The Young Girls of Rochefort. Actually, I've never... It's weird because I love... It's a, that's a sequel to uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yeah. yeah. And, I've, and I love Umbrellas of Cherbourg, but for some reason I haven't... Yeah, I should watch that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Note yourself. Down, uh, uh, the Red Shoes. Yes. Uh, Mulholland movie. Drive. Uh, okay. Some Like It Hot. Yeah. His Girl Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the front page better. Um, <laughs> the Great Dictator. Uh, Rashomon. Yeah. Hero. Oh, Hero, the, the uh, uh, Zhang Yimou film. Oh, the... the or is the, it the Zhang Yimou film the, or the Stephen Frears? Yeah, the, the Zhang Yimou film or the one with Dustin Hoffman? It's probably the Zhang Probably the Zhang Yimou film, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Erdman, a <laughs> okay. uh, more recent film. It's a Wonderful Life, A Man Escaped, and Chungking Express. It's a long, good, eclectic really great, pile of films Really there. great stuff. Um, thank you for everything. Your loyal listener from Israel, Sammy. Oh, thank you for writing in, Sammy. Thank uh, you, uh, Sammy. It's yeah, great. If... if Anybody, the deal with the sight and sound poll, just to uh, elucidate briefly. Yeah, and we talk, um, we're, we're talking about we're ta- it a lot. We're talking about it a lot because this is the year for it. Uh, it's uh, Sight and Sound magazine uh, polls mm-hmm. famous critics and filmmakers. And that's a very respectable publication, by yeah, the way. If yeah. you ever get a chance to pick up a copy uh, every, at your local, if you have a newsstand, please yeah. frequent your newsstand while you still can. Just, just to sort of. Get get a line on what's you know what great cinema looks like these days. They yeah. pull all, you know hundreds of people, all all of them notable in one way or another, and uh, just ask them what are the ten best films of all time. Yeah, like uh, in your opinion, and uh, all of these people send in their votes. They tabulate which film was yeah. mentioned the most, and that is considered the best film of all time mm-hmm. according to this poll. Uh, and then they go down, and they they usually do at least the top fifty, but then you can like see the breakdown for like. Top two hundred. Yeah, because usually. when they put it online, you could start like clicking mm-hmm. around and seeing who voted for what. Uh, but yeah, they started this in fifty two, and yeah. they've been doing it every uh, every ten years ever since. Yeah. Citizen Kane has topped the list every time except for the first time and this most recent time. Yeah, the first time I think was Rules of the Game. Yeah, and then it was serves. Citizen Kane all, all until. Uh, well, in 2012, they 2012, switched it up to Rear Window. And, no, it was Vertigo. No, sorry, Vertigo. Vertigo I, was number one. I, thought, and, uh, I picked the film it should have been. 
Because <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge Vertigo fan. I really Vir- don't... Vertigo is incredibly oblique. It's I, actually I, not a good place to start when you're getting into I, I Hitchcock. I can appreciate liking the movie, but even thinking it's the best Hitchcock movie is really weird to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let alone the best movie of all time. But well, you know, it's subjective. Yeah. But, uh, but the cool thing about the sight and sound poll is that they're usually very good about picking uh, you know people who really know what they're talking about. Like yeah. these are not like uh, just someone who's putting together a top ten list for fun. Like someone who's like, no, I'm very well versed in film history, and I you know their opinion is subjective, of course, but I'm a little bit more interested in the people who they pick than um, just you know some random person. Uh, so it's there is no definitive list of the greatest films of all time. Sight and Sound is pretty close. Yeah. It's certainly the closest we've got. Uh, there have been diversity problems in the past. There have been problems with... Uh, the recency... Uh, recency bias. Lack of bias. Someone yeah. pointed out that we talked about, um, you know, that there was, uh, uh, w- you know, a fear of recency bias, but there's also something called legacy bias, uh, where you keep old films on the list. just bias. Because, which is Which makes sense, actually. There's certain, like... And we've talked about this a lot, especially in our podcast, Only the Best, where you review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. Um, there are some films that are classics because we keep calling them classics, mm. but if you revisit them, they don't all have, they don't all have that good. So, sometimes they do. Sometimes, often fact, they often do. Often they do. Often but, they uh, do. Yeah. But we shouldn't take it for granted that they do. Yeah. And we need to revisit them with contemporary sensibilities. And even if we say like it was for its time, we can also say yeah, but it's not for now. And I think it's okay to maybe strike it from the top ten of all time. Yeah. At yeah. that point, if it doesn't really work for all time mm. anymore. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we shouldn't take for granted that mm-hmm. so, there's a few, not more than a few, but there's there's quite a few like older movies that are considered all time classics that I think absolutely do deserve to be in the sight and sound poll in the top ten, top fifty, whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's also some where I was like, we can make room. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mind if that. I don't mind if that gets, that gets bumped down. Well, like uh, the one that gets me is um, hmm. uh, like film. Like I've seen a couple now, like the films of John Ford. Yeah, it's like yeah. John Ford makes like good corking adventure films. Mm, he made uh, a few really good. The Informer. The Informer was a really one, good. Which one was the Informer? That was the one that was a guy. It was like the uh, Irishman who like uh, uh, told the cops that about their he someone he knew was wanted by the cops and he told the cops. Oh, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he ended up like getting like a reward reward, reward money for it mm. and spent all night basically drinking it away and trying to like absolve himself of his guilt it's actually a real bummer of a film it's not a quirking right. adventure story it's actually right. really messed up so john ford did some the, all right. but he I, also did I've like a lot of like really big americana type stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you haven't seen the fablemans yet have you no i'm probably gonna see it tomorrow okay yeah. uh, there's uh it's it's in the movie, and uh, Spielberg has actually told the anecdote multiple times. Is about, about the, the searchers? The, 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 no, about the time he met John Ford. Oh, the time he met John Ford. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Um, okay. Anyway, I, I, if, if you don't know the anecdote... No, let's just save it for the thing. Save yeah. it for the movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if, if you are interested in like sending us your sight and sound mm. list... I'd love to hear it. I'd love to yeah, hear if you wanna, sound you, you might want to wait until the sight and sound poll is out there, but that's up to you. Yeah, and that should be a couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and and there's no criteria. It's just your favorite movies. Yeah, well, you, your favorite or what you could, you you could decide. What? You could decide it's your favorite. You could decide or, it's what you think is most important. Yeah, you could decide that it it needs cultural relevancy. You could decide to focus on any criteria you want. It doesn't mm. necessarily have to just be your favorite. In fact, um, um, I I like to try to find a balance. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, here's some things that are in here for historical posterity. Here are some things that are just that good. Mm. Here are some bold swings that I think deserve to be considered, even though people might consider them weird choices. Um, I my list will probably be not all of one thing. Yeah, man. Uh, Want to do one more? Yeah, uh, yes, one more. And then, on, then I gotta then I gotta drink some tea or something. Okay, you can, start, you can probably start hearing me getting a little craggy again. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to go back to where I started. In that case, briefly. Okay. Um, here's a letter from Jack. Hello, Hi, Jack. Jack. Uh, dear the Bibinator and Whitney Cyborg. Nice. Whitney Cyborg. There was uh, a brief I've... period of time when you were uh, before your son was born when I was pitching you on the idea of the first name Cyborg. Well, Cyborg Cybold. I uh, Cyborg. Uh huh. Cybold. First of all, two long eyes, kind of a rhyming first and last name. That's Love it. death for a kid. I'm, oh, I would great. never do that. And, okay, here's the thing. A lot thinking, of names that are bad when you're a kid are uh, great when you're an adult. I, I was considering briefly Milo as a uh, oh, name yeah. for my son. Uh, I'd already authored a, a comic strip. It's still out there, actually. You can go to milomultigrain.com. I've read yeah. my comic strip. But I uh, did it many years ago at this point. Uh, but Milo, my last name is Seibold. Milo Seibold is... Uh, no, that's mean. So no, I guess. No, no. So the, it, my, my wife put the kibosh on it. I, I didn't actually expect you to name your son Cyborg. No, no. I just thought it would be a funny thing to say in the car I, while I really, we drove somewhere. I really pushed for Fausto, but... Uh, Fausto. I, I, I did want to name my, my son Fausto, but uh, <laughs> that was a wise my veto. Would, my wife wouldn't have it. That's a wise veto. That's it's a good. Sad. That's when you use your veto. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Yeah. How about Zanthippy? No, not Zanthippy. Well, maybe. All right. Um, uh, dear the Bibinator and Whitney Cyborg, I have three questions. Don't yeah. worry, they're all short. Okay. Uh, first question: Whatever happened to the canceled too soon awards, aka the Sunnies? Ah, yes. Uh, as someone who hasn't had enough money to donate to Patreon, the only, uh, the one and only hope I have for getting you two to cover a one-season series of my choice was to have been the Sunni lottery, mm. where you would choose one random person who voted on your episode to pick their own episode of Canceled Too Soon. Alas, the last Sunnies you did were in May of 2020, and there has. Uh, has since been no no hide nor hair spoken of reviving them. Will you bring them back, or have they been canceled? Um, they haven't been officially canceled. What happened was um, just our, our schedule got really mixed up. We mixed started up with uh, we started doing fewer canceled too soon's. We used to do one every week, uh-huh. uh, and then we had to do it kind of every other week. And now it's whenever we can get to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, which, we, it's which, still which, a show. We still devoted no, we, to we, it. We try but, to uh, do at least two episodes a month if we can, preferably more. Yeah, our, um, uh, we, our schedules change. Our jobs change. Yeah. You know, what, what we're able to consume has changed. So yeah. we, we we're uh, our next episode is going to be devoted to why the last man. Yeah, uh, and that that's when we can get to that. And um, but yeah, we we what happened was because we the show had hit delays and everything like that. We had like fewer episodes that we had covered around the time when the Sunnis would come around. So we were like, eh, let's put it off till next year. And then like the pandemic happened and it just seemed like there was just, we, we never kind of got back around to it, I yeah. guess. It's not officially canceled, but I don't know the best way to bring it back, honestly. Well, we Yeah, we don't really have a, a, a plan yet, but yeah, it's not it's not dead. It's you know just what we can do? You know what we can do? I'm going to pitch you an idea right now. Now everyone, uh, uh, feel free to leave us like a, a comment on Twitter. Maybe, if you're still on Twitter. Uh, we don't have a Mastodon account yet, but maybe we should start one uh, for the show. Yeah, but uh, Well, you found Hey Cafe. And that, that one, that's hey Cafe is nice. Hey, hey Cafe is like really easy to use. It's and very it's, user-friendly. And it's, it's not crowded at all. No, like, it's, it's really It's lovely. really low user level. Yeah, it's it, actually really pleasant. There's, there's, a, there's a social media thing called Hey Cafe, which I like a lot. Hey, I started hey a, dot Cafe. Yeah, I, Winnie and I are both on it, and there's a, um, there's a cafe, there's a little sort of hangout group. 
Uh, that's basically at hashtag film. I called it Film Twitter Refugees. And uh, you can just pop in there. There's no, like, you know, approval or anything like that. You can just pop in. Uh, but I'm also on Mastodon, and I'm basically just covering my bets just in case Twitter collapses, which Elon Musk literally said today, bankruptcy is on the table. <laughs> so, good job, buddy. Good fucking job. <laughs> it's been, like, a week and a half. Um, yeah. So... To, to the, one of three things is going to happen with Twitter. Yeah. He, he's going to panic and try to get it as back to normal as possible. Uh-huh. But he's not savvy enough to do that. No, I don't think he's not. Uh, he, he doesn't have enough humility to do he, that. He's uh, yeah. He's going to run it right into the ground and it's going to fail. Yeah. Or and this is the unfortunate and probably most likely thing. He's going to turn it into like like 8chan yeah. right wing propaganda porn hub it's kind of just like be awful, yeah. it's 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 just going to it's I'm already s- a sewer and it's just going to be I'm sticking around on Twitter. Shit. I'm not leaving Twitter, but I might start phasing it out a bit. I am on Mastodon. You can find me if you go to my Twitter account, you can uh, see my Mastodon handle. Um, and if you want to join there, you can or you can find us on Hey Cafe. Uh, but in any case, uh, here's a here's a pitch. And here's maybe something we can do in order to get back into that Cancel Too Soon vibe. And maybe not the Sunnis, but something that could incorporate the Sunnis. We could do a Best of Cancel Too Soon podcast. I suppose so, yeah. Because we started off this particular podcast feed. If you go back far enough, it's just Cancel Too Soon. That's how it started. And then we sort of mm-hmm. put in other podcasts as we you know, lost other outlets and kind of made this thing expand into a network. Um, so this might be a fun way to just sort of highlight some of the best, better shows we've covered in our tenure. Okay. Considering we've had like well over 200 episodes of Cancel Too Soon already. Yeah, yeah. So we could talk about some of our favorites, things we want people to check out, maybe recommend some old episodes we've been yeah. for. Um, so if that sounds like something you would like, we can totally do that. Uh, right. So let us know on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Winnie Seibel. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Hey.Cafe, hey. or you can find, are you on Mastodon yet? I'm on it, but I haven't used it yet. Okay, yeah, well, uh, do you have a link on your uh, uh, Twitter yet? No, not yet. Okay, well, you can find, on, on my bio on Twitter, you can see the link to my Mastodon, you can look at anyway, it. Uh, so but, yeah, feel free to just send us a note, let us know if you'd like that. Uh, second question. Yeah. Uh, I was reminded of Saving Mr. Banks recently. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and it got me thinking about emotionally manipulative films. Yeah. Even though I went into that movie knowing it was basically Disney propaganda, it still made me cry, uh-huh. mostly because Colin Farrell is just so good. Yeah, He's, the, the, that, That's the best part of that the, movie. The, those really sequences good. are fine, but the, the flashback movie, sequences are really. The, the good. movie is yeah. tainted by its its purpose. Yeah. Um, what movies have gotten exactly the emotional response they were trying to get out of you, despite you seeing right through mm-hmm. their manipulative tactics? Uh, side note: I have no such feelings about Mary Poppins Returns, which is gross, and I hate it. <laughs> um, oh, I, I, mm. um, The Shape of Water. Oh yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I cried, but. But also, fuck you. But yeah, but fuck you. Making me cry with your manipulative monster cup trap movie. This is how I feel, and I know I'm, um, I know some people are just unabashed fans of this. This is how I feel about a lot of Alexander Payne's later work. Like The Descendants <laughs> the, or Nebraska. Those, those last shots I, always I, get you to cry. I, I, I find them, I find them frustratingly, like... Treacly, maybe? Yeah, that treacly's not quite the right word, but it feels like, um... 
homespun. Uh, it feels, it feels homespun. like it feels like he came up with like, and, and then he's gonna knock on her door, and I'm just gonna cut to the credits at the, the knock, and you're just gonna know everything turned out okay, right? And it's like, and then I'm gonna work backwards until I'm trying to find some fucking way to justify that yeah, yeah. really artificially the, uh, constructed conclusion. And I I <sighs> see through it, and it kind of pisses me off. But I saw Nebraska right after my dad died, oh, and it hit me real hard. Dad, so yeah, the. Uh, both the Descendants and about Schmidt got me in their last shots. Yeah. And the Descendants is a really gentle moment. Like, they've gone through this big family drama. Yeah. And the last shot is them just like, <clears throat> you don't even see the screen. They're watching March of the Penguins and eating ice cream mm. on the couch. Like, oh, they're a family again. They're just doing yeah. their thing together. And yeah, and about Schmidt has that wonderful letter scene. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, those, those are some good examples too. Yeah. Uh, third question. Can you think of any non-musical films that have exactly one randomly inserted musical sequence that ends up being the best part of the movie? Oh, the best part of the movie. Uh, the rest of the movie, besides that sequence, can be either good, like Holy Motors, or bad, as in Southland Tales. <laughs> uh, sincerely yours, Jack. Um, God, the sorry, there's best a, part of the I got movie. Soul, but I'm not a soldier sequence from Southland yeah, Tales. Um, I don't know if it's the best part of the movie, but I highly recommend... Marjan Satrapi's horror comedy, The Voices, mm. which I think is Ryan Reynolds' best film. Uh, Ryan Reynolds plays a guy uh, who... He lives in this very candy-colored, kind of John Watersy kind of world. I think he works at, like, a toilet factory. Mm. But he's just very happy, very chipper, and uh, he comes home from work every day, and, like, he's, like, you know, he's got a really nice apartment, and, like, his cat and his dog talk to him. What? Yeah, his cat and his dog are speak and it's it's like mm. this weird fantasy world yeah but in. what happens is he ends up accidentally or does he no uh, not so accidentally maybe it's not so accidentally but in his head it's accidentally killing somebody uh and the, the parts just kind of stick around in his apartment and talk to him too and yeah, like so he has a head in his fridge it's it's, yeah. it's it's one it's a very dark film obviously but it's also very very funny and it's very smart about the way that it tackles even though it's an extreme example mental illness mm -hmm. and the way that mental illness uh can be very insidious because it tricks you into thinking it's you're seeing reality yeah uh and the movie ends over the credits and you can you know, how literally you want to take it, it's up to you uh in a musical number which is just perfect <laughs> it's really really good um so yeah well i'm trying to think of some other ones Let's see um I, I don't know if this counts or not but uh, the scene where ducky uh, uh, lip syncs to try a little tenderness and pretty in pink. Okay, it's just a delightful thing. <laughs> um, top that from Teen Witch. Um, yes, top that from Teen Witch. Teen is Witch pretty is special. Great. Yeah, um, Teen Witch is so the, fucking great. The uh, there, there's a, a trio of like hot young rap guys at mm -hmm. their high school, and they're support they're supporting characters. They're not yeah, they're not important. Yeah, but uh, the Teen Witch's best friend has a crush on all those rap guys, mm. and. Uh, while they're out there just sort of, you know, freestyling, she's like, I wish I could go up and talk to them, but I have no idea. And Teen Witch casts a spell on her best friend, and she joins in on, on their rap, and they rap together. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the rap is called Top That. It, it's corny as fuck. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's <laughs> memorable. It sticks yeah. in your head. Uh, I'm sure there's far better examples, but that's the, the one that came to my the, mind. I say a little prayer sequence from Best Friend's Wedding. Um, that's all right. Yeah. I love that movie. Right. Uh, I, I guess I'm a bigger fan than you are. Uh, the Deo sequence from Beetlejuice. <laughs> there you go. That's a fun and that's movie. a that's a movie where there's no shortage of highlights. Uh -huh. 
that's one of the weirdest fucking things. Like, we accept it because it's so good, but go back in time to before that scene exists. Imagine <laughs> pitching it. Okay, so here's the scene in the movie. They're ghosts living in this house, and they want the people living in the house gone, right? Okay. So they come up with a plan to scare the crap out of them. And here's how it's going to work. They're all going to be sitting around a table about to eat, like, a really gross-looking shrimp soup. It's a okay? shrimp cocktail, yeah. Yeah, and so... Well, it's like a soup, though. It's weird. But, uh... The, the, the gag is it doesn't look good. It doesn't mm. look tasty. Uh, and then in their middle of conversation, all of a sudden, uh, the matriarch of the house mm. starts singing in Harry Belafonte's own voice, mm. uh, Deo. Deo, the banana boat song. The banana boat song. Uh, and then everyone uncontrollably starts singing it as well and starts doing uh, elaborate choreography. Uh, well, well, that, well, standing at the table. Yeah, like as, as though they are possessed, but they're doing like this really chipper, weird, completely anachronistic kind of random song. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the shrimp come to life and our hands and like shove them, push, push them back, and they like, yeah. push them backwards. And then that's the scene. And imagine the studio executive. There's two studio executives. Mm-hmm. The first studio executive who said no to this, like just sort of looked at them and said. No, we're not doing that. We can't have that in our movie. The second studio executive picked his head up from his giant comical mound of cocaine (laughs) and said, Yes, shrimp, go for it! the best! (laughs) I need some shrimp now, let's get some shrimp! Yeah. Uh, Amazing sequence. I just can't imagine how Uh, how easy it was to get that shit made. uh, A little bit of a footnote to that. Um, uh, I I looked it up in, like, 1987. Uh, One of the best-selling records at that time was... uh, CD reissue back back when that was kind of a novelty CDs mm-hmm. uh, of Harry, Harry Belafonte's greatest hits. Mm. And, oh yeah, yeah, that was and, great. I own that. Yeah, every all, I owned it. My friends owned it. Everybody had this Harry Belafonte yeah. CD. And Beetlejuice is a big part of that. And and uh, you'll notice that the Maitlands, the main characters from Beetlejuice, are listening to that album. Yeah. That was actually like a, a hip thing, like mm-hmm. uncharacteristically hip for a Tim Burton movie. That was yeah. like putting the new popular thing into it. So yeah. the fact that it's Harry Belafonte was their attempt at putting like a hot new pop song in there, even yeah. though it was like 30 years old at the point at that point. All right. Well, um, is there more to the letter or was that the last part? Oh, uh, uh, no, that was it. Okay. I couldn't remember how, I know we, there were multiple points to it. I just want to make sure we didn't forget one. Um, all right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for all of your letters. Thank you so much for writing in. Sorry if we couldn't get to yours this week. Um, I got to wrap this up. I'm starting yeah, to get froggy I, I, again. I, I don't want to, again, I'm trying not to go back to square one. So I'm going to take some ibuprofen or something and, deal with the swelling but anyway thank you everybody for listening thank you everybody for uh writing in especially you know if you you did Mm. Uh, and if you didn't that's fine too uh but you can always email us our email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net whitney what is our p.o box send it to the critically acclaimed network p.o box 641565 los angeles california 90064 huge shout out to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network uh, once again, if you uh, if, if you join up, you're the reason our shows keep going. So thank you for that. If you join up now, you can get all of our new episodes, including this one, uh, ad free. Uh, you also get a ton of bonus shows, uh, including our Step Up podcast, dedicated to every installment of the Step Up series. There's a lot more than you think. Our Oscars podcast, we talked about multiple times. We're going to be recording a new episode of that really soon. Uh, Our Star Trek podcast, all our yesterdays. We review every single episode of Star Trek in order. We do commentary tracks. You can vote on various future episodes. There are Discord hangouts. Uh, 
obviously we pushed that one back a little bit the discord hangouts until my voice got a little bit better i'm gonna see how i recuperate from recording this podcast and we're gonna take it from there so we might be able to just jump right back on if i recover quickly or if this was too much for me we'll take another short break while i um while i recuperate uh but i think that's just about it oh and uh head on over to patreon.com slash saltcatsoap uh, that's our Soap of the Month Club that I run with my partner, M. Lampas da Silva. You can uh, sign up and we'll send you a fancy handcrafted soap every single month. Uh, we just ran a poll for what we're going to do for uh, December. And uh, the winner was our... Uh, this. We do a very cool... like You're going to have to see it to believe it. Like a very, very, very elaborate and very cool uh, holiday soap uh, that... We're incredibly proud of, and I think the people who, who get it, I think, are really going to dig it. So it's not too late to sign up for that and get it in December in time for the holidays. Mm. So uh, head on over to patreon.com slash saltcatsoap. You can also find us on Twitter at saltcatsoap, uh, all one word. Uh, and uh, you can sign up for that. And uh, thank you to everyone who already has. Uh, we've got some really good uh, reviews and stuff so far. So thank you, everybody. Um, I guess that's that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And sincerely yours, Bibson Whitney and stuff. <laughs> <laughs>